0: Near-Death Experience Podcast, an ongoing exploration of spiritually transformative experiences, including NDEs and other phenomena, in order to elucidate the ineffable and better understand our spirituality. All episodes are available at ndepodcast.org. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and guests are not necessarily those of NDE Podcast, the NDERF, any sponsors, or for that matter, anyone else. In the end, the only opinion that really matters is yours. Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast, the official source of audio accounts for the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. I'm Chaz Hathaway, author of Life in the Spirit World, What Near-Death Experiences May Teach About Life on the Other Side. You'll have to excuse my uh, my sick voice today. I'm fighting a holiday cold or flu or something. I'm not exactly sure, but anyway... Um, I'll do the best I can with what voice I have. It may be a little shorter if, it, if I get too strained. <laughs> but uh, today we're going to share the experience of Nevi. I assume that's how it's pronounced, Nevi. Uh, and uh, she had her experience in 1973. And uh, so this would be another example of, of an experience that happened before... The term near-death experience was coined and therefore had become part of the public psyche, if you will, one of the arguments that um, that unbelievers, if you will, uh, have uh, against uh, near-death experiences. They suggest that, well, as soon as people start talking about this stuff, people started expecting to have these experiences and so... <coughs> either dreams or hallucinations based on what they've heard, you know, all that stuff. I I get what they're saying. There's just too many examples of things that happened before. Um, It was a public knowledge thing. And for many of them, it was coming across other experiences. They say, wait a minute, I had an experience like that, which is probably the case here since uh, Enderf, where this uh, account was recorded, is, came, you know, didn't come until, I don't know, around the year 2000-ish. Um, so anyway, so here's Nevi's experience. Nevi says, It was my birthday and my parents let me have a small party. One of my girlfriends was staying the night. My parents went out to dinner and I decided that I was a teenager and I wanted to try drinking alcohol like my father did. I filled up a tall glass with gin, held my nose, and consumed all of it. The equivalent of at least 15 shots of straight alcohol. I became quickly disoriented and then fell unconscious. My sister and my friend put me in bed, and when my parents came home and went in to check on me, my mother noticed I wouldn't wake up. At this point, they told me they tried to, to carry me to the car. My father was so mad he wouldn't help, and I was at this point dead weight. This is the point when I remember lifting out of my body and floating midair over my body, which was lying in the dining room floor. Well, on the dining room floor, I assume she means. I was no longer intoxicated. I left my body. I was clearly or I was completely clear and could see everything at once. I remember that I was almost dead and became very upset and began to cry for Jesus to help me. At this point, I was aware of a light enveloping me. I was the light and it was me. There was another being with me. The being led me or let me know that I was going to die and that I must leave this body for good. I remember arguing with the being, explaining that I didn't want to because it was so hard going back through the childhood years and I didn't want to have to go through this again. The being indicated that my body was severely damaged and I couldn't go back. I became very adamant at this point that God was all powerful and could fix the body. At some point, the decision was made to let me reenter my body on my faith or will, whatever one may call it. The next phase was like an evaluation. Sorry. The next phase was like an evaluation. I was taken back through my past, beginning with my birth and we went over what had already happened Then I was shown an overview of key points in my life that was to come. One of these key experiences is that I would have a child at a very early age, and it would be a boy. It was explained to me that from this point forward, I would do everything earlier than most, including my older sister. I would marry first, bear children first, and generally have more responsibility than my sisters and other friends and family members. I was told that I would soon leave my church and have a short period of rebellion and drug experimentation, but this would end fairly soon, and I would begin to climb out of it. I was told that I was going to be a writer, and that my words would touch many people. I was instructed to write a book on or around the age of 40, and that after I had fulfilled my plans, I would eventually die before my two sisters. All of a sudden, I opened my eyes, and I was in a hospital bed in the intensive care unit. The preacher from my church was there praying for me. I actually thought at this point that I had died when I saw him there with my mother, who was crying. I gradually woke up and asked, what had happened? My mother said I had been in a coma for three days and had almost died. That is the end of Nevi's experience. Okay, so, first off, don't drink alcohol, especially not in that kind of quantity, (laughs) okay? Uh, Clearly, this was her first try at it, and while, as you, as some of you would know and others have seen in movies, um, these are probably, this is probably the kind of drink that you take a small shot and you sip it, you know, Um, and she took a whole glass and just downed it, um, which, killed her I mean that's that's too much Um, does she say how old she was she was a teenager is all that she all that I'm seeing but um, clearly her body's not fully developed too, which would not help and it does say that she would have a child very young and that was not in the works yet. And so I'm going to guess 14 or 15, give or take. Anyway, so she, she dies, um, from this overdose, alcohol overdose. And, uh, as she is, um, experiencing this floating above her body and seeing her body on the floor, she leaves her body. She instantly doesn't Feel intoxicated anymore, which is something that may be a question to some people. If you were on a drug overdose or a alcohol overdose, something where or or heavily medicated, are you going to be experiencing what you're experiencing with the drug um, mind as well? And I would have to answer to that. It seems to depend because there are people who are partly in the body and partly out of the body. This uh, by attention. Thing that seems to be uh, prevalent in near death experiences. They may be partly in the body or aware of what's happening in their body while also more aware of what's happening with their spirit traveling to some other realm. This does not seem to be one of those cases. It appears that she completely leaves her body, which indicates that she is completely dead at this point. Not permanently dead, if you will, um, as Miracle Max would might put it mostly dead versus <laughs> she's all the way dead, but not permanently dead because she's going to come back. In fact, when she has a conversation with a being trying to say, you can't go back, your body is broken. Um, she has this argument that says, no, I need to go back. I don't want to experience this again, which is another interesting point for uh, um, reincarnation. She's obviously under the impression, or understanding, that she, if she goes back now, she'll have to go through this again, which is interesting. And as someone, and, and I try to be straightforward in these things, as someone who does not fully accept uh, reincarnation, I have to acknowledge that there is a lot of um, credence to the idea from these experiences, it's clear that there is an understanding by many on the other side that that's what happens. And there's, there does seem to be, um, controversy even on the other side about whether it's necessary slash required slash, um, heavily encouraged or whether it's just something that's possible and so forth. And as well as, you know, when you talk to some who accept it from their experiences, they will say, you know, for many people, it they may come two or three times. And for other people, it may be, you know, dozens of times. And then others are saying that it's probably thousands upon thousands of times. It's like throughout the history of the world, we've been coming or something, which To me, is a horrific thought, personally. I I do enjoy life. I I find the world beautiful, but the idea of coming over and over is a little bit hellish to me, but, uh, you know, I didn't like school while I was in it as a kid either, so, (laughs) you know, whatever schooling we have to experience as spirits, we may not always like it in the moment, and uh, anyway... (laughs) So that is to say, while I don't accept reincarnation myself, this totally has validity to it. This, this idea based on, on these experiences that people are having. Okay. So, um, she is experiencing as she, uh, as she is, you know, she argues with this being and, uh, Then she has this evaluation, as she calls it. It's kind of like an evaluation, where she is taken back through her past, beginning with her birth, and saw everything that had already happened. Okay, that, clearly a life review. But then she is, it continues into a life preview, where she is shown an overview of key points in my life that were to come, that were going to come later such as having a child at a very early age. And she sees that she was going to experiencing, be experiencing things earlier than most, including her older sister. She would be married first. She would have children first. She would have more responsibility than her sisters and other friends and family members. I don't know what it is about this that strikes me as interesting, this recognition that she would do everything earlier than most. It sounds to me like the kind of thing that she either knew or would have known prior to coming to Earth, that that was kind of a, a, a point that she would recognize that, uh, that she would be experiencing things earlier than most people do. Something a, of a token of what her life experiences would be about, what they would be for, what what kind of lessons she was to learn. She would be learning them earlier than most, or at least experiencing the lessons earlier. And um, I would assume learning them earlier, but if not, then she would have more to work with in terms of learning earlier in life. And then she is even told that she would have a short period of rebellion and drug experimentation, which is interesting because, you know, and this is something that a lot of religious people um, may struggle with, the idea of a foreknowledge of what quote-unquote sins they would commit, the kinds of struggles they would go through spiritually, emotionally, physically, the kind of things they would do that are bad or or unwise things that they would do. To know this ahead of time and see that you are going to do this and and that you're going to go through this experience sounds a little bit counter to agency, if you will. And you know, the idea of having choice in the matter. And did she have choice in the matter? Well certainly. Even our the purposes that we have for coming to this life, we can choose not to fulfill those. Now, did she come back and say, okay, it's time for me to experiment with drugs or, or, you know, one day she's like, okay, I guess it's time for that. I doubt that. I seriously doubt that. In fact, I kind of wish we could have a conversation with her um, because in fact, um, I'm just going to scan below. Let me just see here. It looks like she has a little bit of more explanation about things okay, to, in terms of the questions. And, and I don't usually read these questions, because from what I can tell from the uh, the wording of them, they're probably answering a multiple choice question, and a lot of the answers are multiple choice answers, simply because everybody's giving the same answer, and it kind of doesn't make sense the way it words sometimes. But the, it They're apparently either given a space or maybe they just write it in themselves to write additional information. So, and so sometimes those ones where they give additional information can be a little bit more clear, if that makes any sense. So here's, here's one of the questions that she's asked. How did your highest level of consciousness and alertness during the experience compare to your normal everyday consciousness and alertness? And the answer is more consciousness and alertness than normal. See, that just, that just sounds like a weird way to answer, unless you're checking a box. Anyway, she goes on and says, It was different in a sense that I seem to understand more clearly the process of life and death. It was no longer a mystery. I now understand that we actively participate in our own destiny by the choices we make at every given, given moment, no matter how minute. We are not simply puppets of clay entering the, or entertaining the gods. I would say that my consciousness was different during my experience. In that, it, I felt lighter. I could see as well, if not better, and communication was instant or timeless. It's hard to describe, but I definitely didn't. In, it definitely didn't involve sound waves or physical sensations. It was a very emotional experience, much more intense than any other in my life. I knew the chips were down, and I could not allow myself to fail by succumbing to an untimely death as a child in this life. Okay, very interesting answer to, to that um, question of, well, if she knows she's gonna experience um, drug abuse in the future, then why would she do it? And, and of course, the first answer and most likely answer, in my opinion, is that it's not that she went toward it or desired it. It's that life got really rough and she fell into that as people sometimes do when life gets really rough. And, uh, but the advantage that she has is that she saw she would make her way through that and it would only be a short time that she would experience that. And, uh, as for the agency aspect, did she have a choice? Absolutely. In fact, as this says in this answer, she says, I now understand that we actively participate in our own destiny by the choices we make at every given moment, no matter how minute. We are not simply puppets of clay entertaining the gods. That is so interesting. Every given moment, we are participating in the shaping of our own destiny. Now, what does that mean in terms of of, God knowing what's coming, or even us knowing what's coming? I'm not exactly sure, except to, you know, I mean, you could play around with the question of time. What is time if, if, it's something that can be laid before us so we can see past, present, and future equally. Well, then, where what is agency if we don't have time? And I speculate, this is off-topic a little bit, but I speculate that time is simply the, the playing out of agency in some way. I, I, I could be totally wrong about that. I don't know. But um, anyway... This is something that's very difficult for a mortal to understand. The idea of being able to see the future and yet have absolute control over our destiny. How could that be? How could that be? I don't know. But it clearly is the case from at least her understanding um, and mine as well, that uh, that we absolutely have, have control over our destiny and we are shaping it. Um, If we can be compared to clay, we are the ones holding the clay, not, you know, some cosmic uh, being shaping our lives in such a way that, you know, just so you know, this is going to happen in your life. It's It's more like, just so you know, some of the choices that you're going to make include this. I don't, I don't know how that works exactly in terms of agency. I'm still struggling with that, but that does seem to be the case. Okay, going on. She saw what she was would experience, but then she hears that she's going to write a book. Now, I maybe I should scan further through. I would love to read her book if it talks about her experience, but I'm not sure if it does. It uh, She doesn't say whether it had anything to do with her experience, but she was told that I was instructed to write a book around the age of 40. And remember, she's, you know, I don't know, 14 or 15 at this time. It was still going to be a while before she wrote her book. But she does say that after I had fulfilled my plans, I would eventually die before my two sisters. So she was going to die younger than her siblings. She was going to write a book around age 40. And she was going to experience some rough things um, prior to that. Very interesting. And then she finds herself back in her body, waking up after a coma of three days. Apparently she had won the argument about reentering her body. She did not want to go through this again. And so she's like, please, no, I I need to go back. I need to go back. I don't want to go through. How does she say? Because it was so hard going through the childhood years. I didn't want to have to go through this again. You know, as I think back on my on my elementary and high school years. I would not want those years back. I don't, you know, if, if, if there is any chance that I'm going to have to do this life again, I want to get it right this time so I don't have to do it again. I want to get it right this time, whatever that means, if, if it even means anything related to uh, reincarnation or not. But uh, I don't want to do this again. I want to get it right, you know, and, and okay, let's, let's jump to another. uh, There's a couple other comments that she makes in the questions and answers down here. Most people don't give these this depth of questions. I'd like to read some of these because I'm very curious after reading that really powerful one. Um, Let's read some more. Let's see. So she says to the question, please compare your hearing during this during the experience to your everyday hearing that you had immediately prior to the time of the experience. She says, As I stated earlier, it was apparent that what we determine as a sound was instantly registered and understood. The sounds were limited to communication with the being who was helping me. In other words, I couldn't hear my family and what was going on in my body at the time. I could only communicate with the light being. Interesting. Not sure what that means exactly, but that's interesting. Okay, let's jump down a few, because most of them are one answer. Um, in, in fact, here's an example of, of why I don't usually <laughs> read these questions. Here's, here's a question. Did you seem to enter some unearthly world? The answer, clearly mystical or unearthly realm. That's not even a complete sentence. And, and I've heard a lot of people say clearly mystical and unearthly realm. I think it's multiple choice thing, which I don't, you know, no, no offense to the uh, Enderf crew. I'm glad to ask these questions because it prompts some really great things. I just, these, you know, one response answers, I, I just don't find much value in them myself, personally. Maybe some people do. I don't know. You can always go to the site and see these. Anyway, I do really like when they expound, though. Here's the next one. What emotions did you feel during the experience? The first emotion was when I looked down and saw my body and realized I was dead. I became very upset and cried hysterically. I called out for Jesus. I was scared because I had inadvertently done this to myself. And I felt that I would somehow be punished. Like a teenager wrecks the car and it has to be totaled. When the being in the light communicated to me that I was indeed going to die. I became defiant and emotionally charged with conviction that I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that God could raise a body from the dust and that I should be given a chance to go back in and finish this life I had started. (laughs) Interesting. Interesting perspective. You remember your first wreck. Mine, I was not a teenager, but I was using my dad's truck and just that sense of like, oh my gosh, what have I done? what have I done? It was a stupid move on my part. I mean, it's not like I was trying to get in the accident, but I made a very quick look to left, make a left turn. Didn't really analyze. It was dark night. Didn't look close. And when I rushed out there, they slammed the back of the vehicle, you know, and luckily no one was injured. As far as I know, everybody was fine. It was not a totaled situation but i know that feeling of like oh my gosh what have i done you know my dad's gonna be so mad kind of thing more i was i was more like my dad's gonna be so disappointed in me is what i felt but um she's a young teenager and she's thinking i ruined this body that they that god gave me what 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 was i doing you know what you know and she's defiantly and emotionally charged sounds teenager like And and knew that God could raise a body from the dead. And I should be given a chance to go back. Interesting. Okay, to the question. Did scenes from your life or from your past come back to you? She answers. Past flashed before me out of my control. And I was given a sum up of what had happened thus far in my short life. I was only 13. There's your answer. She was 13. 13. I had a horrible relationship with my father, but that didn't come up in the review. In fact, I don't recall any negativity during my review. The most vivid recollection was the actual moment of birth, which began with bright lights and noises that startled me. It felt like I was watching a movie, yet in it at the same time. I also learned not to fear death. If you choose to live and go forward, setting and working to accomplish goals. Wait a minute, let me read that last sentence again. I also learned not to fear death if you choose to live and go forward setting and working to accomplish goals. There you go. There's a good, a good. you know, if you're afraid of death, either, you know, whether, you know, fear of punishment, which we find is not a thing um, from these experiences, or if you're just afraid of having to do it again, like she said. She said, you don't have to fear death if you go forward setting and working to accomplish goals so set out uh, in your life to do good things and and to accomplish what you set out to do if you do that you have no reason to fear death okay let's see let's uh, let's jump down to okay have your religious practices changed during or since your experience Have your religious practices changed since your experience and she answers yes As I stated, I left the Southern Baptist Church of my youth, never to return. Then I went on an 11 year self imposed journey into theological and comparative religion studies. After my experience, I understood that there are many paths to the same destination, no one right way, and each one, excuse me, and each is like a facet of a diamond without which a diamond could not be the end result. That's an interesting comparison that I haven't heard before in terms of religions. These are different sides of a diamond, which if you didn't have, you don't have a complete diamond in some way. That's an interesting um, explanation. Um, It is interesting to me, as she uh, says, that after her experience, she takes great interest in theological and comparative religion studies that seems to be a thing among near-death experiences experiencers. many who come up in a very strict and dogmatic religion will just leave religion altogether assuming that all religions are that way while others will either veer off of their own religion or will and, and you know research others or they will just dive deeper into their own religion And uh, I think the reason for that is because at the core of most religious beliefs is a deep spirituality. And when you seek deep spirituality, religion may not be the only way to get that. But it is one of the more obvious in terms of what people understand about where to turn for spiritual guidance and so forth. They're like, well, why you got to go to religion. You may not necessarily have to go to religion for spirituality as we uh, hear from many, many people in these experiences, but it is one of the more obvious places to turn. And so the idea of studying religion um, after an experience because of that deep desire for deeper spirituality or understanding deeper spirituality and so forth is an interesting and valuable thing, I think. And I think there's value in that idea of looking into many, as she says, comparative religion studies. Because I believe personally that there is truth and there is light in all good religions. And I say good religions because, you know, if you're going to go into satanic cult worship, whatever, you know you may be able to make an argument to say yeah you're right there's they're not all good you know and, and whatever some kind of uh, uh, Nazi you know uh, fetish something or other okay yeah you're right there may not be much good in some of those but in general um, religions have a great deal of good to offer and by studying them we may have a lot to learn a lot to get out of them. If, as I suggest, spirituality is at the core of religions, then looking for that core within the different religions is probably where you'll find its real value. In the specific um, strange little dogmas at the edge, there's not much point in in, uh, arguing about those things. When you For example, if you are researching a religion and you're studying the words of those who have left that faith. I I once had um, several conversations with someone who had left the Jehovah's Witness faith and uh, had everything to say against it and would tell me all the time what Jehovah's Witnesses believed. And I, you know, I never said it to his face, but I didn't take any of it. for actual idea of what they believe i you can't because uh to i and and yeah if you're going to get into a religion i can see some value in going to those who have left it you know kind of like reading the bad reviews on an amazon thing before getting it even if it's you know four and a half stars and it's only one percent uh uh one stars read those one stars because if it's a common problem the people have with it and it's a simple problem that you're like i can deal with that then you know it's probably fine you're gonna be fine but um you know so it's not it's not necessarily a bad idea to to you know read a little bit of those but don't get the bulk of your information from those you want to get your information from the core of what they believe which is not likely to come from the ex-members of that church Anyway, just my own opinions on that. Here's another one um, she read. And I have not read these ahead of time, I should say. So if I stumble through words, um, I didn't get a preview of it myself. But she says, or the question is, what did you believe about the reality of your experience shortly, days to weeks after it happened? Her answer, experience was definitely real. I was only a kid, so I was bewildered. I began to challenge the belief system we were taught, we were being taught at my church. It all came to a head one afternoon during a youth group during a meeting at my church. Our group leader, an older woman in the church, was explaining to several children from ages to uh, seven to teenagers that all the Chinese people were going to hell because they did not know Jesus Christ. I challenged her and said that was not true. She became upset with me and refused to answer my pointed questions. I stumped her by inquiring, what happened to all the souls that were born before Jesus then? I then explained to her that I was only a mere human being. I would never send anyone to hell because they didn't happen to live in a religion that practiced Christianity. I also told her that I'd concluded that God had much more compassion than a kid such as myself did so it didn't make sense that she what she was telling us (laughs) what a great response anyway continuing she became infuriated and ordered me to leave the church and go home i never went back to the church i had attended since i was two years old mainly because i understood at the deepest level that what they were teaching the children was far from the truth this is a perfect example of what i was talking about this um dogmatic edge belief that is probably not shared by all Southern Baptists. In fact, I can pretty well guarantee it's not uh, shared by uh, Southern Baptists that all Chinese people are going to hell. I mean, that that is something that is so far from that core that it's it's actually quite sad that she, not that she didn't go back, but that she rejected the whole faith because of what this one woman said who was utterly off base you know i'm not southern baptist i never have been and never will be but uh, but even i can see through that you know and but and then i'm sure she did later in life i'm sure she did and at 13 years old you don't necessarily have all the tools to realize oh maybe that was just her opinion or whatever but the point is those edge things that's like that, that just sounds off to me well, that's not one of the pieces of light that that particular religion has to offer. So look for the light and, uh, and don't reject the baby with the bathwater, if you will, um, is what I would say about it. But uh, again, that's my own opinion. Let's read one more. This is a shorter one. What do you believe about the reality of your experience now? Uh, that's, that's like the same question. What did you believe about the reality of your experience oh oh got it so the first one is what did you experience shortly after Or what do you believe about the reality of your experience shortly after your experience and the second question what do you believe about the reality of your experience now much later she says experience was definitely real i have come to realize that nothing can be proved or disproved when it comes to this type of thing each person forms their opinion or belief system through direct experience or by reading about others who have had these experiences. Judging by the countless numbers of people who have come forward and told about their near-death experiences, a pattern emerges that can't be denied. Now now deciding what this empirical evidence actually means is a very personal decision left up to each individual. Absolutely, that's the end of of the the answer and i agree with her there's just you, you just it's a very personal decision all these things and in case some of you have only been listening for a short time um and i have heard criticism uh of my words saying i wish i would known you know his church before uh, what church he went to before i am a member an active faithful member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I fully stand by its tenets. Now, some of you hearing that may be like, "Well, wait a minute! Don't they believe this and don't they believe that?" But again, uh, as we talked about in the things, you know, these uh, a lot of the edge ideas in a faith are not shared by everybody in a faith. And without seeing any point in going to specific examples around my faith, I think uh, this example of this girl who went to Southern Baptist Church, had a teacher or youth leader of some sort tell her that all the Chinese people are going to hell because they don't believe in Jesus, you know, and she's like, no, no, that's just not right. What are you talking about? Then this lady tells her to leave the church. So she does. And she's, that sounds like rather fine. I don't want to be here if you're going to teach that kind of thing, you know, anyway. I just wanted to be straightforward about that for those of you who haven't been listening for a long time or haven't gone back and heard the old episodes, so you know where I'm coming from. And that is a good part of why I don't believe in reincarnation. But that's one of the points that I like to make in this. And I know I drive, you know, kick the dead horse um, over and over about this. But don't reject these things just because they don't fully coincide with what you grew up believing or even what you believe now there is so much value in in looking into them with an open mind recognizing that you don't have to accept it all if it you know if you listen to the previous episodes I talk a lot about the shelf idea that you have different shelves that you put things on when you hear an idea you believe you put it on your belief shelf when you hear something you don't believe put it on your I don't believe this but I'm putting it here on the shelf so I can c- come back to it if I hear other information that may you know shed some light on this and and have other shelves or it's like definitely don't believe this may believe this but not sure about it definitely believe this but could be proven otherwise and then there's a few things that I'm like I believe this no matter what for me A belief in God is a no matter what. I just believe that. You know, it's just not going to go away. Nothing's going to convince me otherwise. But there are many things that I put on shelves that I'm like, well, I'm not sure what to do with this just yet. But I'm putting it on this shelf. And then as I get more information, I can form my own belief system about that thing based on these little bits of information. Don't just chuck things out unless they are 100% against the things that are on your top shelf that say, this is absolutely true. And even in those things, often you can find the um, information about what can be gleaned from why somebody else believes differently and so forth. So I think there's value in that idea of putting things on different shelves and, and moving things from one shelf to another as necessary. Anyway, I'm going on and on about this belief system thing. I'm sorry about that, um, but I think there's there's some real good nuggets in this experience. I think it's it's beautiful to see how she was able to, you know, she, I mean, from what this being was telling her, she was it was time for her to go, basically. It was her time, or in other words, her body was gone. She had, she had made choices to leave early. I guess it would be a better way to say it. She had made the choice to leave early, and her body was so severely damaged that she couldn't go back. But in that time, she was told, or she, she told them, you know what, God can do anything. He can bring me back. And he did. He did. God hears our prayers, even after death which is so interesting. So if you would like to contact the podcast, you can do so by emailing near podcast at gmail.com or by uh, calling 970-NDECAST. You can also email me directly. John has been kind enough to set up an email account that is specific to this podcast, but is my is mine individually. And that is Chaz C-H-A-S, at ndepodcast.org. So if you email me at Chaz at ndepodcast.org, that will come directly to me. If you have questions or, or insights uh, specifically to either my own experiences or something I said on the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. And if you would like to support the podcast, and we don't consider this a, you know, you owe this to the podcast or anything like that, but but it really does help. If you can contribute um, by going to patreon.com slash NDEcast and becoming an ongoing monthly subscriber, that will help pay for the, uh, the fees of having the website up. It will help. Uh, you know, John in, in his technical things that he does as well as the time that he puts in to do these things. And that, and that is very important to the podcast. And if you can do it, if you can't, just thank you for being here, you guys. And one thing you can do that will honestly help a great deal is to go to iTunes and give a five-star review. Now, if, if five stars, now your honest review. Give your honest review, because the just having a number of reviews is uh, is very helpful. Because uh, iTunes looks at the number of re- of reviews as honest uh, listenership. You know they can see how many are su- subscribing, but you know how many of that. Or people who subscribe and never come back and how many are you know whatever but the reviews they recognize people are looking at the reviews to find out if they should bother listening to this show because it's a lot of time listening to show after show of a podcast especially with one like this that has hundreds of previous episodes and iTunes wants you to keep coming back so they want people to give reviews and so when a podcast is given a lot of reviews it bumps it higher in the ratings, so that when people search for spirituality or near-death experiences or whatever, they're more likely to find this podcast. So that helps a lot too. And once again, thank you all of you so much for listening.